It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. It is October 15th, and thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, also want to uh, give thanks to the patrons who help make the show possible. Jeff and Nicole, Chris, Matthew, EZ, Daniel, Lisa, Janet, Eric, Loretta, and David. Thanks so much for the support. They became patrons to support the show, and you can as well, just by visiting thepetecalendarshow.com and clicking the link at the top. Uh, you can also find links in the description of the podcast. So last night was the North Carolina gubernatorial debate. It is the only debate. It was a tightly timed format. I wasn't crazy about the format. I thought the moderator did a fine job. I think his name is Wes Goforth. He did a fine job. He just asked the questions and let the candidates run. But, I mean, honestly, uh, you're going to get a lot of, I mean, these are prepared remarks, basically. One-minute hits, boom, 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 30-second rebuttals, boom, 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 right? Like, that's what you get in that format. You're not going to get in-depth discussion of the issues, and so you end up with the candidates trying to land zingers and such. And I say it like that just because of the old Mitt Romney <laughs> campaign in, uh, gosh, what was that, 2012. Anyway, I digress. Let's get to the audio. I have a bunch of it. I don't think I've ever had more audio clips than I have today. Uh, so right out of the gate, Roy Cooper uh, starts attacking. And the thing that strikes me about the way he is, he is behaving in this campaign, this is the stuff that people do when they are down in the polls. The negative attack ads and such, and such, this kind of attack that he launches immediately in his opening comments, like that's the stuff that a challenger does or somebody who's way down in the polls. And as I recall, Roy Cooper was way up in the polls. They were touting it, Democrats and their, you know, uh, in their activist base. They were like, "Yay, look at Cooper. He's up by double digits. COVID-19 has been great for his poll numbers. Uh, they were celebrating his uh, his lead. Has it evaporated? Do they? Do they have some internal polling that makes them worried? I don't know. Maybe somebody could ask at some point if, you know, Cooper ever did a press conference where he allowed those kinds of questions to be asked. So here we go. Right out of the gate, he starts attacking. Thanks for joining, everybody. Today, our world is different. This debate is different. A global pandemic has turned our lives upside down and killed over 215,000 Americans. And tonight's different because of the plexiglass that's separating Dan Forrest and me. And it's there because for the last eight months, including last night, Dan Forrest has been having in-person events with no masks or social distancing. <laughs> That's reckless. And it endangers North Carolinians, including the staff in this room. Leaving our neighbors in harm's way and risking lives. That's not the North Carolina way. Overcoming challenges and taking care of one another. That's the North Carolina that I know. All right. Um, We're going to beat this pandemic yeah. working together. Okay. So um, unless you're not working, of course, but working together, I mean, unless you're not working like, you know, 1.8 million people now in North Carolina. But what's what struck me is weird, this exuberance, and it translates uh, less so over the airwaves than it does uh, on TV. When you see him 
and he's delivering these remarks. He's smiling and grinning as he does it. There's this exuberance. It seemed unnatural, seemed inappropriate for the content of his remarks. It's like someone told him, hey, be passionate, be angry, be fired up and feisty. But it just comes across as excited. Hey, I'm happy to be here. We're here. Look at this plexiglass. Oh, my gosh. It's here because of Dan Forrest. Dan Forrest wants to kill people. Oh, my gosh. Which, of course, isn't true because at the very beginning, the moderator said everybody had been tested before the debate. They all came back negative. There wasn't anybody else in the studio except for Dan Forrest, Roy Cooper, the moderator, and the photographers. And they were all socially distanced. They were, you know, the photogs, I'm, I'm assuming, were wearing, wearing masks. So, so right out of the gate, he's like, you're trying to kill everybody by being here and by holding rallies and not wearing a mask. Um, you can also hear that he's almost hoarse from the way he's talking. Spectrum News' Tim Boyum said on Twitter that he had never seen Cooper this, quote, animated and aggressive before. And I agree. I have not either. Forrest, uh, or sorry, uh, Cooper, uh, has sort of cultivated this this caricature that he's this folksy old, you know, nice grandfatherly figure. That was obliterated today. Okay, what you saw, or yesterday, last night, what you saw was the actual nasty partisan hack that has made his career in Raleigh. He's been up there for for three decades. That's the guy. That's the Democrat machine. And everybody got a glimpse of it last night. So that that idea that he's just this, oh, you know, aw shucks kind of grandfatherly guy, and he's just so nice and folksy. Nope, that's not who he actually is. It's not who he is. Um, all right, so then uh, Congressman Dan Bishop, he said Cooper seemed agitated. Bishop, by the way, former state senator, also a Republican, though, said Cooper was agitated, defensive, and petty. Forrest was in command, at ease, unperturbed, while he dismantled attack after attack. So Forrest began his, I'm not even going to play it, his opening statement was that you know, he thanked everybody, including Governor Cooper. Um, he said he is honored to have served for eight years as lieutenant governor, proud of the work he's done, gave a bio of himself and his family, and said his natural habitat is not politics, but architecture. And uh, most of the debate, as you might imagine, dealt with the COVID-19 response. Now, oh, speaking of responses, if you're not getting a good response from uh, the market as you have your house listed for sale, then chances are you need a better real estate agent. If you use Rowena Patton, you're going to get your house sold quickly and for more money. It's what she does. It's her jam. Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they outsell 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She's the only agent I would use to sell a house or buy a house and that's not just talk. Christy and I are using her to buy our house right now. So give her a call at 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and put her and the team to work for you. That's 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and then start packing. So uh, Dan Forrest uh, does his opening remarks, and then most of the uh, debate after that really featured COVID-19. Um, and so this is how it started with a question to Governor Cooper about his orders and his actions. Well, this pandemic has taken thousands of North Carolinians from us too soon. It's left people hurting and jobless and separated from their loved ones. But at every single point, I've used science and data to make the tough decisions. And there is no question that our strong actions early and the persistence of most North Carolinians 
has saved lives. When I mandated masks, our cases leveled off. But then Dan Forrest lied to the public and said, masks don't work. He even sued me to stop our safety measures. Thank goodness he lost. (laughs) You know, politicians like this who... Okay, this is just... He sued you because he said you don't have the authority. You overstepped your authority. That's what he was suing you over. It's just such a mischaracterization. Cooper lies so much and so easily and so smoothly that it's like people don't even fact check this stuff because they just assume nobody would lie about something that obvious. All these in-person events and discourage masks, they're part of the problem. They make it harder for us to ease our safety measures, harder for us to get our children back in school where they need to be, and harder for us to slow the spread of this virus. All right, so it's the Republicans' fault, it's Dan Forrest's fault, why I have to do these things that hurt you so much. This is an abusive relationship. I'm not sure folks realize that. Well, it should be of no surprise to anybody why Governor Cooper has spent tens of millions of dollars in negative ads against me uh, during this campaign talking about masks. Masks is a great cover uh, for what he really doesn't want to talk about. The over a million and a half people that he has left unemployed, the thousands of businesses that have been shut down, the thousands of businesses that will never reopen again the suicide and addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and uh, uh, anxiety, depression, you name it, that's wreaking havoc on our state all over from one end of North Carolina uh, to the next. So there's a lot of things in Governor Cooper's record that he just doesn't want to tell you. So he spends a lot of time talking about masks. Okay, Mr. Forrest, 30-second rebuttal, Mr. Cooper. Uh, Well, now you're not just ignoring science, you're ignoring common sense. You cannot wish the pandemic away it doesn't work like that you know what i mean he's he's like horse he's trying to be angry and excited and i don't know it just he's talking himself horse and it's only two minutes in um by the way that zinger obviously a scripted one because he says you know now you're ignoring the science and the common sense there wasn't anything dan Co- or uh, uh dan forrest said that should have elicited that zinger at that time just Cooper had the zinger, ready to go, loaded up, and boom, fired off. Doesn't matter if it's actually responsive to anything Forrest said. Um, Forrest then responds by saying that he's actually not, nor has he ever denied that there is a pandemic. Well, there's no doubt there's a pandemic, and there's no doubt that it's real. In fact, half of the deaths in North Carolina have come from nursing homes, which are under the direct control of Governor Cooper. If he'd spend half the amount of time, half the amount of energy, and half the amount of uh, money just focusing on the most vulnerable in North Carolina, we'd have half the amount of deaths in North Carolina as well. We need to make sure that we can do two things at once in America, and we can protect the most vulnerable, and we can allow the healthy folks to get back to their livelihoods. So Forrest then goes on to say his administration would focus on the most vulnerable, the elderly in the nursing homes. But we need to allow healthy people to get back to their lives, get back to work and get back to school. This virus is uh, about 17 times more likely to get an impact from the flu than than the coronavirus. Our kids actually need to be in school right now. We need to get people's livelihoods back. We've been meeting with these people. I've been traveling around the state and it's devastating across the state. The businesses that have been closed, the people have lost everything. There's a what we're doing is we're trading public health for public health. There's a public health crisis on the side of coronavirus with the virus itself and there's a public health crisis on the other side with all the uh, complications of the virus. Right, and that is by the way something that Roy Cooper never discusses. He never talks about the negative impacts 
of his lockdown orders on people's health. They just don't ever talk about it. There are ramifications. And they always try to frame this as a, you know, dollars versus lives argument. And it's not. It's a lives versus lives, as Forrest outlined. Cooper returned to his mantra from his tightly managed news briefings. You've probably heard these if you listen to the show or watch the briefings that slowing the spread of the virus helps us recover our economy. He said they're recruiting businesses and jobs to our state. Even during the pandemic, he then claimed credit for North Carolina being ranked number one by Forbes for business Number one for business for the past three years. So during his tenure, even though that was all due to the Republican legislature, the General Assembly's tax reforms and deregulations that he fought and ran against. Now he's claiming credit as number one for business. That wasn't you, buddy. You didn't do that. You fought that. Not anything that it's not due to anything that uh, that Cooper did. He said small businesses have been hit hard, but Congress needs to help them. He said the General Assembly needs to make unemployment benefits richer and longer. We can improve this economy, but we have to slow the spread of this virus. And that's what we are doing right now is slowing the spread. We can't have people being irresponsible and telling people they don't need to worry about this pandemic. No one's saying that. seconds for rebuttal, Mr. Forrest? You know, I agree that we should never tell people they don't need to worry about the pandemic, but we should never also tell people that uh, that uh, their jobs are not important and they can't earn a living for themselves or they're non-essential. There's no such thing as a non-essential job in America. The governor's laid off over a million and a half people in North Carolina. You can't claim all the jobs you've created when you've laid off a million and a half. We need to get people back to work. We need to protect the most vulnerable. We can do two things at once. We're the most innovative country in the world and one of the most innovative states in America. So then Cooper uses his rebuttal time to circle back to Dan Forrest's criticism of Cooper's inability to protect nursing homes. You talk, you talk about protecting the most vulnerable. We're doing that in our nursing homes. But the problem is, Dan, you treat nursing homes like an island and that everybody counts can do whatever they want and you can still protect nursing homes. That is not the way it works. When you have people out there discouraging masks, when you have people out there trying to prove that there's not a pandemic, then you end up having more people who are infected. It could be a nursing home staff member, a visitor to the nursing home. Those people go in and bring COVID-19 into the nursing home. That's a problem. It all works together. And we need strong measures to make sure we slow down the spread of this virus. So this was interesting, I thought, because first of all, um, Notice how he keeps making the allegation that Forrest doesn't believe the pandemic is real. Right after Forrest literally says there's no doubt there's a pandemic and there's no doubt that it's real. Literally just said it. Cooper then responds, you don't think this is real. But the other thing is that he says that Forrest believes that we should treat nursing homes like an island. And Cooper obviously disagrees, right? Well, what if Cooper's wrong? What if we should be treating these nursing homes sort of like an island? Not that nobody gets to, you know, come to the island or get off the island, but that an island, you know, you can actually limit and restrict the immigration, so to speak, to use the analogy. You can create, it's a lot easier, for example, I mean, Fortress America was sort of this idea, right? Our oceans protected us. If you have an island, if you treat the nursing home like an island, I mean, theoretically, you should be able to more tightly restrict access in and out. And so why not go with that approach? 
why is your approach that it's not an island? Why is that why is that the preferred course of action? I would submit that when, you know, 40% of all the uh, COVID deaths in the state are in nursing homes, maybe your preferred course of action was incorrect. Just spitballing here. Cooper was then asked when he might lift the statewide mask mandate. Well, there's no question that it has been effective because once we required masks, our cases leveled off. Uh, all right, hang on. No, they didn't. So that's the problem. The case counts continued to rise, and then they dropped a little bit, and then they went up again a lot, and then they dropped off a little bit again. Right? So this this idea that my mask mandate led to lower case counts is it is a lie. It's not true. But he gets away with it, I guess, because the big D shield. Well, there's no question that it has been effective because once we required masks, our cases leveled off. Most North Carolinians want to do the right thing. And we've worked closely with retailers. I've told them, look, it's good for your bottom line to insist that people wear masks when they come on to your retail establishment because the employees want that and the customers there want that. We need to make sure that we continue to push this. We've talked to law enforcement. Law enforcement is a, a little hesitant to enforce the mandate, but many of them go up and talk to people and tell people they should be wearing masks. And a number of law enforcement have agreed to come to retail establishments and to say to them, okay, we'll remove someone for trespassing if they're not wearing a mask like they ought to. The thing is, if we had real leaders across the board who would tell people that masks are important. You heard the CDC chair say this mask is the most important weapon that we can have. Rather have a mask than a vaccine. We need all of our leaders talking about this so we can slow the spread. Uh, Mr. Forrest, same question. How effective has the uh, order been? And uh, are you personally against it, uh, people deciding? I'm not personally against people deciding at all. I've never said that. In mm. fact, I've always said it should be a personal responsibility choice. It doesn't need to be a governor's mandate. We don't need a governor that treats us like five-year-olds. We need a governor that does protect us, but not treat us like we're little kids. Uh, masks aren't the solution to everything. And in fact, uh, Dr. Fauci said masks don't work. The Surgeon General of the United States said masks don't work. The CDC said masks don't work. There are scientists and doctors all over the world right now that have come together under the Great Barrington Declaration, 35,000 of them today from leading universities and leading hospitals all over the world, uh, Nobel Prize winners who are coming out and saying the lockdown mandates and the max are, are actually causing more harm than good. We need to protect the vulnerable. We need to do that right now. We need to let all the healthy people get back to a normal way of life. All right. Thank you, Mr. Forrest. Rebuttal, Mr. Cooper. Really, Dan? Really? Really, Dan? Masks don't work. Scientists <laughs> say they don't. That is just absolutely not true. You're finding that on the dark corners of the Internet. Across the board, scientists. Wait, he literally just quoted Fauci, Redfield, the CDC, and the Barrington scientists. Like That's not the dark corner of the Internet. This is the thing that drives me nuts. It's in the climate change debate, too. These leftists, they, they just use... It's science. It's like an incantation. It's like a religious thing, right? It is a religious thing. You have these incantations where you have to uh, say them in a certain way. It's the science and data and facts, right? Like, that's the deal. And if anybody has a disagreement, then it's obviously you're anti-science. You, well, why do you oppose the science? How dare you try to shatter people's faith in science? When, in fact, science 
would lead you to question science is skepticism. And you've got scientists who are now out there saying, hey, the stuff that you guys did on the fly because you didn't know what the hell was going on and nobody knew what to do and you guys just decided to do these things, some of that stuff might not have been the best things to have done. And we're, we now have research that indicates some of those courses were not the best courses to take. But really, Dan? Really? Really, Dan? By the way, have you noticed this? He keeps calling him Dan. He never calls him Lieutenant Governor. He never calls him my opponent, even. He, he never calls him, you know, M Mr. Forrest. He never says anything like He always calls him Dan. It's like, it's like um, when the guy meets a girl but finds out she has a girlfriend, and so the guy just keeps, or finds out she has a boyfriend, and so the guy keeps misnaming the boyfriend. It's, it's an insult. It's what he's doing. It's a way to, to minimize his stature. That's what Cooper is doing. He's making a subtle, unspoken argument that Dan Forrest doesn't belong on the stage with him. I'm the governor. Because Dan Forrest, every single time he called him governor. Every single time. But Dan Forrest is the lieutenant governor. Yet the governor never calls him that. It's a lack of respect. For Dan Forrest. I'm not sure anybody picked up on that. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Redfield are saying that masks are our best weapon to slow the spread of the virus. And there is no cost to this. People can wear it. There, there's no in kinds of restrictions. You can just wear the mask. And it's talk, we're talking about looking after your neighbor. You wear the mask to protect other people, particularly if you do not know that you have the virus. That's amazing. 30 seconds, Mr. Forrest. CDC just this week uh, released their study uh, about masks uh, wearing and positive COVID cases. 85% of the positive cases in America are from people who say they wore the mask every day, all the time, or at least almost all the time. 85% of the positive cases. Governor Cooper says that the uh, cases actually went down when he uh, made his mask mandate. They didn't. They leveled off for a short period, and then they actually went up again. Uh, so, no, you're not seeing the impact that we should be seeing with everybody wearing masks. That's just not the case. Right, and you go to every single state when they implemented mask mandates, the data does not show any correlation. It just doesn't. Um, now, you could, and they try to make this argument that, well, it would have been worse had we not done the mask mandate. But that's just speculative. Nobody knows that for sure. Now, I do know for sure that if you're looking for a top-of-the-line mattress at a great deal, then Mattress Man is where you need to go. That's where I went to get my mattress. Christy and I, we love the memory foam that we picked up like eight years ago from Mattress Man stores. Had it delivered. Five-star delivery service. You can get that as well. It's free. 120-day comfort guarantee. They ship nationwide. They will help you find the right bed for you. Okay. Uh, and it, by the way, if you don't want the delivery, you can go pick it up yourself. If you know, you're self-starting do it yourself kind of guy with a truck, you just want to roll up to their warehouse and throw a mattress in the grab and go deal is what you want. Go to mattressmanstores.com, get the details there. You can also get details on their triple zero deal, zero down, zero APR for 24 months. So no interest and zero payments for 90 days. You can get the, uh, the Restonic Biltmore collection mattresses at only Mattress Man. Uh, these are made by Restonic in Fayetteville. These are the mattresses that are at the Biltmore Inn and Hotel. So uh, let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you, whether it's a memory foam or an inner spring mattress or the uh, hybrids or the, uh, the latex, whatever mattress you're looking for, they've got it and they can help you find the right one for you. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. 
So next up at the debate, they went on to discuss the failure of the unemployment system. Well, this is a place where leadership really does matter. The government governors completely failed the people of North Carolina with employment securities. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable that uh, very, at the very early side of this, when he was getting ready to lay off a half a million people for, for restaurants, I said, are you prepared for 500,000 people to be laid off? Uh, there was silence on the phone, but no, apparently he was not prepared for 500,000 people to be laid off in, in one day because, in fact, the employment securities folks didn't respond to people for months. My office, who's not even responsible for employment securities, helped over 25,000 people get their unemployment. Why? Because when they called the governor's office, there was a busy signal. When they called the un unemployment securities office, they didn't get any help. So they heard through the internet that they could come to the lieutenant governor's office and we would help them out. We will transform employment securities. We will make sure that when we have an issue in North Carolina that we need to provide that service, that that service is going to be available for the people of North Carolina. There is a log jam now, Mr. Cooper. Well, no, people are getting their unemployment payments now. And, and in fact, when this pandemic hit, North Carolina had the worst, the stingiest, the shortest unemployment system in the country because of Dan Forrest and the legislative leadership. See, he's like yelling. He's yelling. And to the left, by the way, they love this. Okay, they they saw him as angry and feisty. To people who are already, you know, predisposed to that political philosophy, they thought his performance was masterful. They said so on social media. They're like, "Oh my gosh, he's fantastic! So honored to vote for him and all this." I'm not so sure. Is that the kind of leader you want in a time of crisis? He's lashing out. He's angry and. Nah. Really, Dan? Meanwhile, Forrest, I thought, sort of presented this optimistic image. He was up there. He was smiling. He was respectful. He was even keel. He wasn't yelling and shouty. Uh, he maintained a positive disposition throughout the debate. And Cooper seemed like he was just on the constant attack, like he's trailing in the polls, like he has to drive turnout or something. And, and maybe that's the plan for a reason that I'm not aware of. That, that's possible. Um, but I also uh, need to sort of reinforce this, this idea that Forrest hits on here that, you know, Roy Cooper said, we're going to close everything down. He told the Council of State this. And then he, you know, first he said, hey, I need your concurrence. And when the Council of State said, yeah, we're not going to concur with all of this stuff. And by the way, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest is on the Council of State, as are all of the 10 statewide elected uh, office holders, uh, attorney general, labor commissioner, like all of them. Right. Um, and so the Republicans on the Council of State, and there are, are six of them. And they said, no, we're, we're not going to sign on to doing this right now. And then Cooper said, screw you. I already put out a press release. It's already happening. And then he said, I, ne I never needed concurrence. That's what the lawsuit was over, by the way. So, yeah, I never needed the concurrence. I just asked you for it. <laughs> so, OK. Uh, and so when he's asked, well, are you prepared for half a million people to be thrown out of their jobs and they had no answer so no they were not prepared which seems kind of odd to me that he has been able to dodge this kind of responsibility for basically you know creating all of the layoffs and then not having the systems in place to deal with the layoffs cooper start or let me uh, let me finish the uh yeah so cooper starts off by attacking the ui program uh at the beginning of the pandemic right but that doesn't really matter if people can't get through to apply the shortest and the stingiest benefits program would be zero dollars for zero months 
if you can't apply for them. So, right? He's saying, how dare you, you know, criticize me when the Republicans in charge, you know, they set these, the, uh, the unemployment insurance um, uh, benefits level and the duration. It's the stingiest. He started off by saying all that. But if, if you throw half a million people, now a million and a half people, out of work and you don't have the system ready to go to handle that deluge, then they're not getting anything. So which is a stingier benefits program? <laughs> Cooper said the system was overwhelmed, and that is true. But when you order the shutdown of the entire economy, you should have an expectation that the unemployment program is going to see a lot of applications. All right, so then Cooper pivots to Medicaid expansion, because of course he would, uh, which I'm actually surprised he did not do much earlier in the debate. He said he would continue to help everybody find a job and everybody get the help they need. Forrest responded by saying that the best way to help people is to give them their jobs back. Later, Cooper says that we need to expand Medicaid for all of the people who lost their jobs. Forrest says, well, there were one and a half million people working until you laid them off. So he keeps trying to pin the layoffs on Cooper. Uh, he said a one-size-fits-all government program is not the best way to provide health care. And then he questioned whether giving this governor more authority to expand the largest agency in the state is a wise move, considering how poorly he has managed the unemployment system, well, along with DOT, hurricane response, deaths in nursing homes, etc., etc. The next question, when can schools reopen? What needs to happen first? Uh, these were like questions straight out of the regular uh, COVID news briefings, at least, you know, for folks who watch them, these are familiar. The number one priority to, for me is to make sure that we get our children back in school again. We want our schools back normal, but we have to make sure that it's safe for teachers and students. And while I'm using science and data to help make those decisions, Dan Forrest is holding a press conference saying, we're going to fill all the classes back up immediately. We're not going to have any masks, no social distancing, and no safety measures. That is dangerous. And it is stunning to me that he would use children as political pawns during the middle of a pandemic. So <clears throat> that's a flat-out lie. That's just a flat-out lie. Forrest never said that. He said schools should reopen with safety measures, but that districts need to determine for themselves how to do so, not the governor. Cooper then shifted to another attack on Forrest. But what Dan Forrest really wants to do with our public schools, he wants to starve them for funding and then use those tax dollars to help rich people send their children to private schools <laughs> using vouchers. Oh, my God. That is not what our schools need trying to come out of this pandemic. We need to do more for public education, not less, and we need to put safety over politics. And we'll get to vouchers uh, in just a few minutes. Mr. Forrest, same question. When will school return? Uh, as soon as I'm governor, school will return. <laughs> schools are open all over the world. Schools are all open all over the United States. In fact, private schools have been open for 12 weeks in North Carolina, all over North Carolina with no outbreak, no, no trouble from anybody. Our public schools can be open the same way. The governor won't take any advice from anybody. I've talked to uh, multiple <laughs> nurses, COVID nurses that are frontline nurses, said they've tried to co contact the governor's office. They've contacted Mandy Cohen. And they've contacted their superintendent saying, we'll help you get open. We're dealing with COVID frontline every 
single day. We know how to do this. We can keep kids safe. We can keep teachers safe. Let's get our schools open because this is far more dangerous for our kids not being in school than it is uh, for them uh, uh, dealing with this on the other side. So our kids are having massive struggles right now. Anxiety, depression, screen addiction, abuse, 50 percent reduction in child abuse uh, right now because kids aren't in school. If they were in school, their teachers would be able to discover it. They'd be able to get these kids help, but they're locked in their homes with their abusers. This is a horrible situation for our kids. So the number of cases of child abuse has dropped by half. It's not that there's less child abuse going on. It's that the people who usually catch it are not with the kids. The teachers are not seeing potential abuse. And so there aren't the reports occurring. Um, They were then asked about whether it's fair to teachers to ensure safety in the classrooms. I'll get to that in a minute. First, uh, I think it's fair to tell you that the Husqvarna fall sale is still going on, but not for long. You've got about 15 days, a little bit more than two weeks to take advantage. Uh, It's running through the end of October at General Equipment Rental, which, by the way, is your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. They also do equipment service and repair. General equipment rental in Weaverville, okay? Go to generalrents.com, check out all of the inventory they've got as part of the Husqvarna fall sale, like chainsaws and lawnmowers, trimmers, saws, blowers. Uh, They've got the Husqvarna auto mower, which is like a Roomba for the yard. It runs silently day and night. It keeps the grass evenly cut all the time. And then it takes itself home when it needs to recharge. Kind of like me. Uh, You pair it up with the Auto Mower Connect app, and then it maps your yard. And then you can check in from work, and you can see exactly where it is. You can name it, too, I think. So this machine also has anti-theft technology. So it's completely useless when it's taken outside of its boundaries, and then the GPS locator will uh, take you right to the thief. It's great technology. General Equipment Rental, incredible deals right now for the Husqvarna Fall Sale. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville, it's at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, think outside your toolbox. So Governor Roy Cooper and Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest were asked about whether it's fair to teachers to ensure safety in the classroom. Forrest used this question to circle back to the lie that Cooper told about Dan Forrest and what his plans were, you know, to reopen the schools and, you know, kill all the kids. Well, I mean, the teachers have all kinds of responsibility on their hands every day. It's kind of unbelievable. Teachers are doing double and triple duty of their work now as they're trying to teach online part-time, teach Mm -hmm. in-class part-time, and deal with all the other struggles that they have to deal with. What we said in that press conference is not at all what the governor said. We said, let the local communities decide how to safely open their schools and deal with teachers. If there are teachers that have comorbidities and issues, let them deal with their principal. They can teach online. They can teach virtually. If there are parents who don't want their kids to go back to school, let them make that decision. But for the parents that do want their kids in the classroom, they should have the option and the right to be able to get their kids back in the classroom where they can learn again. Our kids are missing a year of school. Uh, we can figure this out, Wes. This is not that difficult. We can figure out how to keep a school clean. Our kids are not even at serious risk from coronavirus. 17 times more likely to die from the seasonal flu than they are from coronavirus. Kids are not impacted. So let's get our kids back. If somebody wants to keep their kid home, they can. If a teacher needs to stay out, they can. But we need to open our schools. Mr. Cooper, what about that? Uh, teachers cleaning up. Well, maybe still, they're responsible. Still denying the science. 
<laughs> Still denying the science. The focus then shifted to education funding and teacher pay. Cooper said Republicans and Dan Forrest won't give more money to the schools. Well, if the governor paid attention to the numbers, he'd know that uh, North Carolina is now number one in the southeast for increased funding in public education. But he probably doesn't know that because he's vetoed every single budget since he's been governor, including every single teacher pay raise. He claims he's all for teacher pay until it's time to pass the budget for teacher pay. We've increased teacher pay over 20 percent since Republicans have been in control. But the governor's vetoed every single budget, every single one. Uh, so we have been doing those things. He's just hadn't been paying attention because he'd been vetoing them all. Cooper then said that the reason the Republicans are funding education is actually because of him. There's no question that the General Assembly has done more with teacher pay, has reestablished teaching fellows scholarship, has expanded pre-K. And it's because I made education front and center. But the reason I vetoed those bad budgets is because they put corporations over classrooms. This General Assembly wants to continue with the sweeping corporate tax cuts that hurt our schools, along with the private school vouchers that hurt our schools. And we need to do a lot better than that. All right. I just want to point this out, as I usually do in the education debate in North Carolina. It is literally the top priority, the top funding priority in the state budget. Governor Cooper then uses a question about how to help special needs kids uh, get an education during this pandemic to instead mention how we need more broadband access before pivoting to some programs that he says he's responsible for, like the teaching fellows, as he mentioned there moments ago. The governor likes to run around claiming his success with the teaching fellows program. He actually vetoed that as well. So that was a veto by the governor. He had absolutely nothing to do with that. The legislature funded that too. Um, Hometown strong, nice slogan, but he's done nothing for small town North Carolina. When you want to talk about access to broadband, I led the effort for broadband connectivity in the classroom. We are the first state in the nation to have every single classroom connected to high-speed broadband. When I'm governor, we'll be the first state in the nation to actually have all of the last mile connected to high-speed broadband. So, yeah, the Internet is important. And that's, by the way, if you are a business owner, uh, you run a website of some kind, you know this, right? Now more than ever, you need your search, uh, your website to turn up in search results and you want it to look good, professional, user-friendly. And while you probably know a lot about your business, you might not know a lot about website design and maintenance, but you're in luck. My friend Schaefer Smith does at Schaefer Smith Design. Great design can solve a ton of problems that affect websites. Professional services, corporate, small businesses, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith can help you with graphics, photos. Uh, He does logos like mine. He did the Pete Callender Show logo. He can help you build out an online store. He can help you with SEO, as it's called, search engine optimization, website maintenance, and security. Go to SchaeferSmith.com and then get the most out of your website. That's SchaeferSmith.com. Dan Forrest then, during the debate, makes his argument that the reason schools have been shut down is because Governor Cooper wanted it to be so. And he's correct. Although Cooper did recently allow districts to open K through 5 if they chose to do so. Talking about we're getting our K-5 open, great. I'm all in favor. I actually voted to get K-5 open. But I actually proposed an amendment in that state board to allow the counties that want to open all the way up from K 
all the K through 12 to be able to do that. There's no reason if a county is ready and they're prepared and they can safely open and their parents want it, they should be able to do that. I tried that. The state board of education that's controlled by Democrats by his appointment said, no, the governor has all the authority here. And he said, K-5, he's not willing to open up the route. All of that is true. Uh, Next on balancing the budget. Uh, they were asked, are you going to raise taxes next year? I don't know how this is going to get funded, West, but it's going to have to be. I, I believe that the government now, because of Governor Cooper's shutdown and all the businesses that are going bankrupt and people that are having to take out loans for the first time and people that have never had to uh, spend a dime on their business through loans that are having to do that now, I think the government has a moral imperative. The government of North Carolina, the government of the United States, the, these leaders, like our governor, They're the ones that shut the place down. These businesses did not do that on their own. Remember at the beginning, it was just closed down for two weeks, just two weeks and everything's going to be okay. And then two weeks turned into a month and a month turned into two months and two months turned into four months and four months turned into eight months. The government's going to have an imperative, Wes, here. We have to try to figure this out. This is going to be one of the most difficult things we've ever done in state government. It's going to take years to bail this out long after Governor Cooper's gone. And, Mr. Cooper, do you see a tax increase as necessary, at least a uh, rollback of cuts? We do not need to increase taxes in order to handle this budget. What we need to do is stop the tax giveaways to the wealthy and stop the sweeping corporate tax cuts that Dan Forrest and the legislative leaders continue to put on people. Okay, so you, did you get that? No tax increases to balance the budget. By the way, this guy, this is the same governor who keeps proposing budgets that raise taxes, but he says no tax increases, but we're just going to roll back tax cuts, <laughs> which would be an increase in taxes. It, I tell you, it has got to be nice to be able to redefine words when you need to make a political point, right? It's good to be a Democrat, I guess. Like Humpty Dumpty from Alice in Wonderland, who said, when I use the word, uh, it means... Just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. Then, of course, Alice responds, quote, the question is whether you can make words mean so many different things. And if you're a Democrat like Roy Cooper, the answer is yes. Yes, he can. He can make words mean so many different things. Um, And we all treat this dishonesty or lunacy like it's all completely rational. It's amazing. Uh, Again, the big D shield. It's nice to be a Democrat, I guess. Also, what did he mean when he says that corporate tax cuts are put on people? How is that? How is that the case? Businesses don't pay taxes. Customers do. The higher the taxes on a business, the more customers pay and the less employees earn. That's how that works. The business is a pass through entity. All right. So then they were asked, how does the economy recover now? What we need to do is we need to help those businesses. But what we need is leaders who are going to get out there and help to slow the spread of the virus. There are a lot of businesses that are hurting that have no economic restrictions on them. And that's because a lot of people aren't going to engage in the economy until they feel safe. And if we have leaders out there who are trying to say everything is fine, you don't need to wear a mask, you don't need to worry about it, open everything up, everything is fine, denying science, then that's, that's just wrong. That's going to end up hurting us more economically. You complain about the economy, but you won't do the simple things you need to do to fix it. And that's slow the spread of this virus. Getting a balanced budget rebuttal, no, Mr. Forrest? I'm not complaining about the economy. I'm actually just out there with all these people who are dying. 
right now. They're, they're dying, not just from COVID, but they're dying because their businesses are going out of business and they don't know what to do. They're at their wits end because of what the governor's doing. You know, it's this COVID science is an interesting thing because you cross the border into South Carolina and South Carolina's open and, and people are out there, you know, going to restaurants and doing things. You cross into Tennessee mm-hmm. and Tennessee is open. You cross into Georgia and Georgia's open and they're learning how to live with the virus and protect the vulnerable and get people back to work. They're learning how to do that. We have to learn how to do that here in North Carolina, too. Gentlemen, staying with the state budget here, uh, Mr. Don't, Cooper. Don't I get part. a 30? Yes, sir, you do. Okay. Uh, it's interesting that Dan mentions Georgia. We've heard a lot about what yeah. he wants to do, and he wants to be like Georgia. Georgia is about the same size as North Carolina, yet they have almost 100,000 more cases. They have almost half twice as almost twice as many deaths and they have almost 600 more nursing home deaths than North Carolina. That's the kind of state you'd get with Dan Forrest as governor. More cases, more deaths, more deaths in nursing homes. I don't think the people of North Carolina want that, Dan. Again, notice no use of the title. He just calls him Dan, not Lieutenant Governor, not Mr. Forrest, not even my opponent. Forrest keeps calling him governor, but Cooper doesn't reciprocate any of that honorific. Also, um, on Georgia, quick question. Doesn't Georgia and didn't Georgia institute mandates of masks as well? Didn't they do that? Not really sure. If the the masks work, then why didn't it work in these other states? Anyway, um, on state employee compensation, then Cooper said we need to pay everybody more money. But all of the money to do so has been given away to corporations and the wealthiest among us, which is why Democrats want to raise the taxes on businesses. Uh, I mean, sorry, to get rid of the tax cuts. Right. Different thing altogether. Um, By the way, that also assumes that the prior levels of taxation on business were the correct levels. You notice that? It's a built-in assumption that the tax cut to reduce the tax rate, that that is somehow illegitimate, that the original level that they cut it from, that that was the proper level. But one thing I do know is that we've got to stop these corporate tax cuts in order to be able to have the money to be able to do it. Who deserves the next race, uh, raise, Mr. Uh, Forrest? Well, let me first, Wes, just hit on the corporate tax cuts. The governor rails against corporate tax cuts all day long, but he loves going and giving away incentives to corporations when they're coming to town. In fact, he actually went back to the legislature and asked for more money so he could give more money away to big corporate interests coming to our state. <laughs> that You can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, we don't want tax cuts, but we're going to give people tax money when they come to the state. It doesn't work that way, governor. That's not the way it works. But we need to, uh, yes, we continue to increase teacher pay. We've done it year over year over year. We're the only state in the country that's done it seven years in a row under Republican control. Governor Cooper vetoed it. Veto, 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 veto. We're passing it as Republicans. We'll continue to do that. We need to start focusing on state employees, though. We have some hardworking state employees in North Carolina that deserve a raise. And we need to make sure we can attract and retain the best workers. We need to work on their work environment. We need to drive their morale up. Their morale is some of the lowest morale that has been in years. The Highway Patrol has the lowest morale I've seen in eight years under Governor Cooper's uh, leadership. We need to get that back. We need to get their pay up and other... uh, state employees as well. 30 seconds, Mr. Cooper. Dan, you obviously don't know how incentives work. You only pay incentives to corporations when they have a job that has been created and they get a tax credit for that. It's very specific. What you've been doing, which is a big difference, the jobs. is sweeping tax cuts across the board. Oh my God. A lot of out- The jobs are already coming. That was the point. 
you're you're quote creating the jobs by giving the incentive. No, the company is already looking to create the job. The incentives don't necessarily usually unless they're like here we'll pay everything for you, but usually the incentives are not even enough to make a difference in the decision-making process for a lot of these companies. State corporations benefit from it who don't create one single job in North Carolina. you got to learn how this works if you're going to be governor, Dan. I know how this works. I've uh, been in the business world for most of my life. I worked to bring projects to North Carolina before I was in politics. I know exactly how incentives work, and I know how the tax system works. But here in North Carolina, we cut taxes. We, we cut personal income tax. We cut corporate income tax. And what the governor said was, the state's going to go broke. It's going to go broke. We're not going to have any money. Instead, we've had surpluses, $300 million, $500 million, $600 million, $900 million surpluses before this, which was allowed us to put money away in the rainy day fund since we've had multiple rainy day funds. And the governor's kind of appreciated having that. Uh, now, I will tell you something to appreciate is warm clothing in the wintertime, especially if you're a hunter or if you work outside. And the best place to pick up some military-grade thermal underwear, wool sweaters, military field jackets, and wool and fleece toboggans, wool socks, Gore-Tex jackets, it's at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. You're going to find it a lot cheaper there than you'll find it at most outdoor stores. You can also get yourself an emergency kit for your car. Make your kit now so you're prepared with a folding shovel to dig out, you know, in case... Uh, you slide off the road or something on icy roads, uh, warm clothing and blankets, the emergency space blankets, you know, the shiny silver ones that reflect body heat, um, emergency ra- uh, rations. Uh, you can store these in the car and they're not going to get harmed by the cold or the heat. And then you can stuff it all into an ammo can, which are pretty cool gift ideas as well. These ammo cans, you can use them for so much for you know general storage, put them in the shed or garage. You can use them in your truck for tool storage. Uh, also backpacks for the kids if they ever get back to school uh, you got military grade backpacks they're going to last a lot longer than the cheap ones from the big box stores it's all at old grouch's military surplus for more than three decades old grouch's on main street in downtown clyde shop is open monday through saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. so this debate on incentives i think is really important because Uh, The left sees the revenue coming into the government coffers as money to be spent, and the right sees it as money to be returned because GovCo took too much. And the reason that there was a surplus in the first place was because more economic activity was generated because people had the fruits of their labor uh, and they made decisions how to spend it, right? They got to keep it. The more you take that wealth out of the economy and wash it through the bureaucracy, then the less economic activity occurs because of it. And that means less money to the state treasury, But Cooper and his Democratic allies, they see the revenue increases as separate from the tax rates. Cooper's understanding of incentives is detached from reality. He thinks he's inducing a created job by using the incentive. But he doesn't see the other end of that equation, that he's taking money in the first place. And that costs jobs and investments and innovation. The tax cuts on all people and businesses is exactly like an incentive, though. It's just not directed by the governor and his economic command controllers. Like, that's the difference. Then came a question about whether they thought systemic racism exists. I think uh, the death of George Floyd opened painful wounds. And we need to listen to people who lift up their voices for equality and justice. But we cannot tolerate violence and destruction. And anybody who does that 
should make sure that they are held responsible. But our communities are working very hard to keep themselves safe, to start their economies going. But Dan Forrest right now is doing what no leader should do. He got caught running an ad using fake riot footage from Washington and New York, pretending it was Asheville hurting their economy. That is unacceptable. Dan <laughs> Forrest is using this issue for fear <laughs> and division, and he thinks that's going to win this race for him, and I think he's wrong. Is there systemic racism, Mr. Forrest? Well, Governor, very clearly didn't answer that question. No, I don't think there's systemic racism. There, there's racism. We sh- should reject it at every single turn. That, that's what we should do in America. But the governor said that we should also reject uh, violence and destruction and looting. When he stood by, he was, he's locked in his mansion, uh, surrounded by a wall, surrounded by a fence, surrounded by police cars and surrounded by police officers and riot gear. And just two blocks away, downtown Raleigh was being destroyed. Downtown Charlotte was being destroyed. Downtown Asheville was being destroyed. And the governor didn't do anything about that. He had the ability to call out the National Guard and send them in to stop it. When I'm governor, I will never allow an angry mob to destroy one of our cities. And on that Asheville footage, there's Asheville footage. The news stations in Asheville wouldn't let us use it. And we had to go get other footage. That's why we couldn't use it. But it's out there and everybody knows it. The people in these cities know they've been dealing with the destruction. I was eating at a restaurant in downtown Raleigh the other day that's still all boarded up because they're scared to take the plywood down because they're scared the governor won't protect them when the riots come back to town. When I'm governor, you won't have to worry about that. 30 seconds, Mr. Cooper. Dan likes to ignore my record as the top law enforcement officer of the state and what attorney record? general for 16 years. As governor, I signed a bill to double the penalties for anybody who would attack a law enforcement officer with a gun. We've got to make sure that we have strong law enforcement in North Carolina. But let's don't forget that it was Dan Forrest supporters who were out in the middle of the street in Raleigh burning masks and calling police officers pigs. Yet Dan Forrest said and did nothing about that. That's the most bizarre comment I have ever heard. My supporters in the streets calling police officers pigs? Those aren't my supporters, Governor. Those are your supporters, the ones you walked through right before they rioted and looted downtown Raleigh while you had that little mask dangling around your ear, not around your face, protecting you or the people around you. That's what we're dealing with right now. That is why the vast majority, almost every single law enforcement organization in North Carolina has endorsed Dan Forrest because they know the governor does not support law enforcement and he didn't for his 16 years as attorney general either. Ouch. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate you listening and we'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.